And so that was the light bulb moment for me. It was like, well, why are we dissipating energy? Why don't we harness it? Georgie Delaney, MBE, is one of those inspirational CEOs, someone with a clear mission, a compelling vision, underpinned by a gripping set of values. The story of how the great outdoor gym company came to be is a great one. But what's even better is hearing how her mission and her vision is driving her and the team to constantly innovate, keep pushing harder, and drive towards their North Star. As I was listening to Georgie speak, I was reflecting back on my own business, looking at the agency and the wider community around us, realizing how important it is to constantly be true to myself and true to the North Star of delivering lasting change. I was so gripped during this episode, I didn't even have time to talk to Phil about Man United's uh, latest set of results, which let's just say haven't been sparkling. But this is a great episode. I know you'd enjoy it. So welcome to the next episode of the Wonderful People podcast. Georgie, welcome to the Wonderful People podcast. Thank you, Dan. Nice to be here. Amazing to have you. And um, we're going to start off with one of our deep and meaningful existential life questions, as we always do with our guests. If you could be stuck in a lift with someone, anyone, who would it be and why? Um, I was thinking about this and I think it would be somebody with a sort of universal influence, a great influence to change the world because I would have the opportunity to sort of pitch my ideas to that person. So I was thinking probably somebody um, like Elon Musk or um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. or Leonardo DiCaprio, somebody with a huge influence either because they're well known or because they um have a lot of resources um but also somebody that has that same sort of affinity as we do at the great outdoor gym company for um creating a better planet and doing something about sustainability and health um because i'd like the opportunity when i'm stuck in that lift of pitching to them and sort of getting them on board and getting them to join the mission so yeah that's who i'd like to be stuck with someone like that great answer <laughs> uh, Georgie, uh, you, it's, you started in industrial design. So how did your career kick off? I mean, come, come through that sort of background. Yeah, so I did my degree at UCL and it was a four-year degree. And two of those years were in London, um, in Bloomsbury. And then two years were in Milan at the Politecnico. And that's where a lot of the Italian designers go. It was an amazing opportunity to not only learn all sorts of different forms of design from product to park design, industrial design, 3D design, communications, all sorts of different elements of design that really helped in my career at the Great Outdoor Gym Company. But it was also an amazing opportunity to absorb a culture, the Italian culture, and um, what I really drew from Italy was this concept of putting care into everything. So putting care into their cooking, putting care into their design, um, and, and that being such an important ingredient to great design. So I, I, 
that was my my degree and then after that I ended up working at Sport England because I'd met the chief executive of Sport England um, in um, at a snowboarding competition in Andorra. I was a volunteer uh, for five years at this snowboarding competition. And I asked him if he'd help me get a job at the Arts Council because I thought I was arty, not sporty. And he didn't have much luck getting me a job at the Arts Council. Um, but he managed to get me an interview in the comms team for England, uh, where I ended up working for your friend, Phil, Kate Dale, who runs the This Girl. Yeah. Oh, was, she, was Kate your boss? She's my boss, yeah. Um, and yeah. Oh, yeah. I, was, I, I worked in the comms team, and, and at the time, we, we were doing a lot of work on a, the Everyday Sport campaign. And Saatchi, MNC Saatchi, or Saatchi and Saatchi were the agency. So this, this sort of junior that could do a bit of design work was actually quite handy because I could save a little bit of money when there was a few amends to, you know, the assets that were required for this campaign. So I worked in the comms team for 18 months, but it was such an amazing um, experience because I got to gain all that amazing insight about the landscape of sport and and the landscape of physical activity and uh, more importantly the landscape of physical inactivity and what problem it was at the time and this is back in 2004 2005 where obesity was such a, a huge issue and and we were building up to um pitching for the London 2012 games and Sport England's um, uh, role in that was about legacy and and, and how um, others had used the games to get uh, people more active. Lovely. You probably won't know this, but Kate Dale is now a stand-up comedian. Is she? Did you know that? I didn't. Yeah, she's on the circuit going around London. No, I'm not. I'm not kidding. She's. I don't know whether you knew that, Dan. I saw her like something about it online, and I thought she'd be absolutely brilliant. Yeah, we're going to have to go and and watch. Yeah, definitely. That would be funny. Definitely. So tell us. I mean, you know, this kind of segues nicely. But also, tell us a little bit about how did you come up with the idea of the great outdoor gym company, and kind of what was the catalyst? Mm, this does segue nicely in. Um, so we were working on, um, I say we, Sport England was working on um, how to get the nation more active and also pitching um, for the Olympics. And there was a lot of sort of looking at what others had done, what Beijing was doing, because they, they had the Games in 2008, this is 2005. And what, what they were doing was they were putting outdoor gyms into their parks and to great success, increasing participation in physical activity by 1% a year, which is a lot more people in China than it is in the UK. So I put the idea to the chief exec at the time, Roger Draper, and he said, it's absolutely brilliant idea, but it's not for Sport England to deliver. And then a, a sort of stroke of fate happened. Um, I ended up losing my job because um, there was a reorganisation that, that um, Sport England needed to make lots of cuts 
And the first people to go were the contractors, and I was a contractor. The sort of girl that, you know, nobody really knew what I did. I just did a bit of design here and there, and, you know, what does she do? Um, and, yeah, I, I, Kate actually backed me. <laughs> Bless her, no, in a very nice way. Good. And I was, I was really sad. I was, I was, um, I cried that day. Um, but actually, it was the best thing that ever happened. Because um, it, was, it was just the perfect timing. Um, and Roger Draper encouraged me to set up the concept and the business. Um, said it was a really good idea and it would really fit into the landscape of sport. And another sort of stroke of fate was that my mum varied the will on my uh, my grandmother's. Um, my grandmother died, and my mum gave each of her children seventeen thousand pounds. And she said to me, "You can either pay off your student loan or put a deposit down on a flat." So I said to her, "Mum, could I start a business?" And and she agreed. Oh, wow. Um, and so I used that money to fund myself. Um, and then I roped in other family members, like my dad, who was a lawyer, uh, which was very handy to set up a business. It, it was kind of like, it was a big, you know, there was, there was bigger forces going on in my life. I guess I've never been asked to leave. I'd maybe not even set up the business. So it was just what I needed at the time. Well, you've been going 15 years now. Yeah. Tell us a few of the highs and lows during that period, Georgie. Um, yeah, it's been an absolute roller coaster, um, exciting ride. It started with a big whoosh because we started the business in 2007, officially incorporated, um, ready to go, set up with with the the range, uh, which we we were the first worldwide to create an outdoor gym range which complied to standards even though there weren't any standards um at the time we created a standard my dad's influence again doing things right we amalgamated playground indoor and inclusive standards and within a year we were working with adidas we got the Olympics coming to London in 2012 and Adidas had just been announced as the tier one sponsor. And we managed to pitch to Adidas this concept of outdoor gyms and what, that, what a brilliant idea for, um, for, to activate their sponsorship. And again, it was, there was a bit, a bigger force going on because we, when we went and see, um, this guy, Mark Phillips in Adidas in Covent Garden, he already had a concept of creating these big spaces. Um, but they were kind of more like tennis courts and multi-use games areas, but in the shape of the 2012 logo. So we kind of came to him with this idea and he said, Great, but can you reconfigure it into the shape of the 2012 logo? <laughs> and bear in mind, he spent 80 to 100, or they, they'd spent 80 to 100 million um, being a sponsor. And we, we were going for one year and we got this opportunity to put our products on the, on the Olympic logo. We just couldn't believe that opportunity. It was just incredible in terms of brand right. association. Not only to be 
associated with Adidas, but to be have the product right on the 2012 logo with the rings. So we created these Adi zones, um, and they funded the first five in the host boroughs in London. And it was tricky, even it was tricky to get them in, to be honest, in some cases, because because they were specific about where they wanted them. You know, they wanted one in Hackney, one in Newham, one in uh, Tower Hamlets, Greenwich, and the host boroughs, Wolf Forest. It was tricky to get them in because the psychology of the council was a bit like, what's the catch? So it was kind of, in some circumstances, I remember in Tower Hamlets, I had to kind of give a personal guarantee that we'd get it in before their fates. And there was kind of like a lot of, a lot of trust, you know, to get these, these big installations in, even though they were amazing opportunity for the council. Um, because Tower specifically wanted those places, it was quite tricky to actually get it going. Um, but then, they proved so successful and Adidas got Nielsen to evaluate the success of the impacts of these spaces. And it really showed how much the community loved them and how it was getting people more active of all different demographics. So on the back of that, we managed to get some government funding and then from that government funding, get that matched by local government funding. And so we ended up rolling out at 70 of them. And this was, you know, quite soon after we'd, we'd started, we were doing a national rollout of these Adidas London 2012 branded gyms. So that was a real highlight wow. of the company. That's amazing. So from, from that kind of moment, that inception point with the, the deal with Adidas, you mentioned, you know, rolling out 70 gyms. Is it true you your equipment can be found in over 2,000 gyms worldwide. Yeah, that's right. And, and so how does that look? You know, that's not just local councils, right? Um, not just local councils, schools, universities, um, leisure centres, but also international partners. So within that time frame, because it was such a high-profile project, we were getting a lot of PR just without without really trying, um, and international PR. So we were gathering international partners. They were approaching us. So then we started to export. Um, but it was, um, you know, the fact that we, we were, we owned, we created our own range, gave us that flexibility to export anywhere. Georgie, when, you, when you're looking at Dan and myself, you can see that one of us works out. And I'm, I'm not, going to mention, <laughs> not going to mention which one it is. But uh, tell us... About- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dan. You've lost out on this one. Georgie knows me. <laughs> Georgie knows me. Uh, can you explain to us a little bit about calisthenics? Because it seems to be playing a big part in what you're planning and not being someone that spends much time in the gym, I'm unlikely to find out unless you explain. Well, calisthenics has been on the rise outside of the gym. So you might have come across it in in the parks. Um, And it it was a big thing during lockdown, but it's been a huge thing abroad. Um, 
over the past sort of decade or so it's been growing and it's it's now searched for more online than crossfit because it's so accessible because it's requires uh it doesn't require an in indoor gym setting as such it does require bars but a lot of it is body weight as well um so calisthenics is comes from the greek word kalostenos which means beauty and strength and so it's been going for actually thousands of years it's 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 utilized in in the army as well it's kind of like forms a core part of the training in the army um and it's things like you would know you know press ups pull ups chin ups muscle ups um but also there's other aspects to it more sort of beautiful aspects to it like handstands and other sort of positions that you kind of a bit like yoga there's positions in calisthenics like front lever and planche and and different positions that you can work towards so there's a lot of progression and a lot of goals and ultimately it's about mastery of your own body and what we are doing at the great outdoor gym company is not only working with the athletes and all the the top event organizers but we're looking to open this up to everybody because it's been seen in the past sort of decade or so as just an elite uh, form of exercise just with the super fit and that's you know do it if you've tried a muscle up you'll know that it's not easy to do a muscle up but there's an other end of the spectrum and that's that's really where i'm coming from the um, other end and which is the beginner and that's so we we've designed a whole new range by athletes but it's for everyone um and it's to open it up to really the whole of not not only the whole of the uk but internationally as well so it is definitely one to watch it's a difficult word calisthenics it's a difficult word to say it's a difficult word to spell but it's it's definitely on the rise and i think we're going to see it get to the same level as crossfit in the coming years i was i was smiling there georgie because um i was in the park the other day with one of my kids and he was we were doing some pull-ups on a pull-up bar and he was showing me a muscle up and I tried to do a muscle up. Whether I succeeded or not, I'm not gonna say on recording. But muscle ups are really hard. Really hard. And the calisthenics athletes that we work with make it look so easy and they do it with weights as well. Um but even one muscle up is really, really, really hard. It is. <laughs> yeah. But the ethos of the great outdoor gym company is about inclusive inspiration aspiration so we don't want to just say oh well we're just going to focus on inactive people we want to have a whole journey from you being completely inactive to then you unlocking your full potential whatever that is whether that's just moving 30 minutes a week and that's your full potential that's brilliant that'd be someone like my dad who was struggling with diabetes and heart disease and him having a sort of PT session in the park was a great achievement for him and got him off his diabetes drugs. 
Um, or you are a young person um, from Tower Hamlets that wants to do, wants to have value and meaning in their lives and, and doesn't know where they fit in this world and, and joins a session with one of our activators or athletes and discovers they can do a muscle up and then gets a sense of purpose and achievement and feels connected and part of a community and then is on a journey to becoming an athlete and a, a trainer and someone that can help others. You know, it's, we don't want to restrict our gym users just to one category. We want to create that full journey and also just create community as well. That's great. How do you work with the communities and the gym owners to help the community engaged and using the equipment? And what role does digital play in engaging that community? Yeah, so an example of that would be Tower Hamlets and Southall. So we've worked in both those places to activate. We've got a new side of the business called TGO Activate. And that's all about what we do after we install a gym. And tech and people are, are a key part of our strategy for that. So in in Southall, as an example, where it's a local delivery pilot of Sport England, um, we put in these amazing gyms um, with all the facilities that they could want from rigs to cardio, weights, spaces, um, to floor space to do yoga, dance, that sort of thing. But we also installed a screen. Um, and on that screen, we've got three classes because one, some people just need that um, understanding of what to do um, when they go down to the gym. So we've got circuits that you can do on the gym and circuits you, and things you can do off the gym, like yoga. So some people, yeah, going to the gym, they, they like to go to a class. So that's an example of how we're helping to get people using the gyms through tech. But layering upon that, we've also trained up local people um, in Southall to become activators. So they're the encouragers, the people that will get people to come down and tell people about the classes. And they'll have an understanding of these classes and they'll even be able to deliver their own classes. And we, we've even filmed these local activators in Southall to, um, on, on the screen. So they do feature on our screen as well. But the, the idea is that with the backing of the screen, they don't have to have that complete technical knowledge of how to run a class because their role is so much greater than that. It's it's providing that sort of support, encouragement, and getting people down, which is such a key part of getting to those sort of hard to reach groups, those inactive people. And the screen can then give them the support of what to do when they get there. Enjoying our podcast? Remember to subscribe, share, and leave us a review. How does it differ when you're dealing with different cultures and countries because you know getting to those hard to reach people in Southall is one thing but you're doing this all over the world now aren't you so are there big differences I would go back to I'm going to go back to Tower Hamlets on this one 
Um, what I've found and what we found is that the gyms are a real unifier and actually our cultural differences aren't that big a problem. So in Tower Hamlets, we have a gym, Shadwell Basin. It's actually a red gym, so you probably wouldn't think it's ours. But we, we, we painted it red because that's the branding of St. Paul's Shadwell Church, who funded it. It's a beautiful gym on the side of Shadwell Basin and it's got some calisthenic equipment and it's got some cardio and it's got some general fitness and it's got a nice area for yoga as well with a beautiful view. So funded by a, a Christian church, largely used by the Muslim com community, but everybody gets on. Uh, everyone respects the church uh, that funded it and the lovely brothers that use it, the um, Muslim brothers that use it, are just the nicest people. And we now uh, work with with one of them, a guy called Jadul, who, and we we call it the blessed gym because anyone that touches that gym gets a huge following on Instagram. He's got hundred thousand followers. Wow. And and largely in other countries, like no Morocco, you've got a huge following in Morocco. We've had other stories of uh, other athletes. Michael uh, Keisha, he's he he got his big following using that gym. Thirty thousand followers he's got on Instagram, and we've just found that the gyms are a real unifier. You know, this is about health and well-being. And we've seen that where where these guys have, and girls have come to the competitions, they've all been supporting each other. It doesn't matter about where, their background, their religion. They're, they're just, it's the culture that's created around this positive activity is just really, everyone's really humble. Everyone's really encouraging and grateful and supports each other. Um, so... In terms of culture hasn't been an issue. It hasn't put anyone off coming down. And when they have come down, it's kind of everyone sort of blended together in a really harmonious way. So it's been a, a real beautiful thing to watch. It's amazing to hear that, Georgie. That's such a brilliant story of just how... It's not the brand has built community and brought different communities together. But, and I love the sort of holistic nature of what you're talking about. One other aspect to that when, when we're reading about TGO was, is it true that you've kind of got an energy generating range that you kind of TGO gym kit can charge mobile phones and tablets? And tell us a bit about that. Yeah. That's a whole other level. Well, we've always been innovators. So, and I, I probably play a bit of a role in that and uh, much to often to my colleagues sort of dismay because we're always creating new ideas and it, I'm very disruptive within my, my own business which is bumpy at times because you know innovation is <laughs> is not easy and it's expensive as well but um, in terms of when we got the deal with um, Adidas it was a big boost to us. So one of the things we did was move our manufacturing to the UK in 2009. We wanted to do that because of quality and to 
to honor these types of relationships, you know, with Adidas, we've gone on to work with other brands like Rolls Royce, the United Nations. And as part of that move back to manufacturing in Britain, I sat down with the engineers and safety experts and we were looking at, you know, reflecting on the first range and how we make that stronger. And the conversation I had with Newton, Newton Ford, our safety expert, brilliant name. Um, he said it's all about dissipating energy. You know, so if we want the, if we want the bikes to be strong, we have to dissipate more energy. And so that was the light bulb moment for me. It was like, well, why are we dissipating energy? Why don't we harness it? So we started to talk about the potential of harnessing energy. Um, and again, what a very strange thing happened. We were opening a gym in our local area, Peckham Rye, because we're based in Peckham Rye at the time. London. And at the launch, these two guys turned up, got chatting to them, and they they did events, human-powered events with their bicycle. And so on the back of kind of putting it out there, we wanted to create this this technology. Then these guys turn up and we collaborate and develop the first iteration of this energy generating range, which it's very different to how it is today because we've moved it on um, hugely. But that was back in pre, pre-London 2012, so around 2010, 2011. And we, we actually put our first installation in in 2012 of an energy-generating gym. And is it still going? Is, it, is that part of the rollout and part of the brand and part of the sort of the um, the ecosystem you created is is that energy creation part of it? Yeah, yeah. We had such a lot of PR on the back of putting in these gyms that generate power. We had CNN Global do a piece on us, so it really escalated our export, created lots of interest internationally in our energy generating uh, pieces of equipment. And we'd also created a storage system to store the energy in and then either light spaces or tie it back to the grid. So the demand has really, the demand for what we're doing has really propelled keeping it in the range because it's something that people absolutely love and they want as part of these sort of new cities that they're building. And we, we put them into Hong Kong and Singapore, Australia. It's kind of like it fits into this new world which we're trying to create, which is more of a, um, obviously more energy efficient. And then this is recycling human energy and then either putting it back into the grid or, um, enabling people to charge their phones. Um, and we've actually recently been part of Formula E and at Formula E, we created a, a game and it was actually for every watt hour we were planting trees um and it's something that we can potentially do in the parks as well by tying back to the grid and for every it wouldn't be for every watt hour but for every kilowatt we could we could plant a tree so you could go to the gym 
and through just exercising regularly you'll be helping to plant trees we, we support Eden reforestation Eden reforestation project in Kenya and with them we've planted 50,000 trees um, so it's very much I really love the idea of how we can make impacts on a global level you know by life if we can in if we can make um our lifestyle um support global issues i think that'd be really positive because i know in kenya and east africa generally there's a huge problem with with drought and a huge uh food insecurity issue and so if we can plant you know, agroforests in in Kenya on the back of going to one of our gyms. Not only are we going to help mitigate climate change, but we're going to help people um, with food insecurity. Because if if their cattle are dying because of the drought, they're going to need other sources of food to 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 survive. And and so it's just an example of how. I believe we can work together as nations to to solve some of the world's problems. It's brilliant. Yeah, speaking of we, that's we haven't spoken about Matt. So is Matt your business partner? Yes. And how do you split your roles? Is what does one of you focus more on marketing or PR? Because it see it covers a lot of things. What you're both doing. Matt does a lot of sales and partner partner work so he's he's been very integral in setting up partners um so we've got some really really good sales partners um one for example hugs which is a big big playground company and what that does is by having partners we've got the, the ability to let's say elon musk gives us i don't know 10 million quid or something like that i don't know and we could then rollout a national roll uh, not a national rollout an international rollout so through our partner network we can pretty much go to any any country um so that would be something that matt's you know so what he where he's really added value he's sort of formulated these partnerships and he's also also got a really good background as you know he was the ex-regional director for london at sport england and so he really understands the landscape of sport and ha- and and obviously he has an appreciation of of how things are funded and that type of thing so he's a real sort of safe pair of hands and people really trust him so he's always really really good to help kind of close close deals and um build confidence so i'd say that's really where he really plays a major part it's quite nice actually when you're working with family isn't it so with podge events i work with claire my daughter you're you're working with your hubby it's like does it ever get stressful oh yeah absolutely completely i mean there's a huge amount of creative tension between us because i'm a completely carte blanche person i love a challenge 
I love, you know, coming up with new ideas. I'm completely positive. Like I, I really believe in the power of words and the power of intention and, and believing that we can do things and moving things um, forward. And Matt is, is like a, he likes to critique things and challenge. And sometimes we meet too, <laughs> <laughs> too soon <laughs> because it can be quite crushing when somebody is quite, they're not like nurturing an idea or building up an idea. They're like going straight for the jugular, you know. <laughs> so, um, it's been really challenging, but I think it's, it has also been where we get the balance. It's, it's a real positive as well. I work with my dad as well. And I have to say, you know, having that family element is a real strength. And you can see why there's so many successful family businesses. Because at the heart of it is love. You know, you, and you do ultimately, you know, you trust each other. Um, and so that keeps you going a lot longer than it would maybe somebody that you're not related to. So you've got that sort of that core foundations that are kind of, yeah, keeping you going <laughs> in hard times. Yeah, brilliant. That's amazing. Taking a step back, Georgie, like 15 years on, if you were to sort of helicopter in looking at the last 15 years of your business life, big question, but what would be some of those standout moments? I mean, you've shared some amazing stories of the local impact with people and specific, but what would, can you give us two or three highlights? I'm sure there's loads, but putting on the spot here. One thing that just jumps into my head as you say that is, just funny moments, like we found ourselves sponsoring the United Nations Industrial Development Organization's 50th birthday. I mean, we're a little company and we were the sponsor for their 50th, well, one of them, for their 50th birthday. So this, this was because we put in a project in, in Marrakesh, an energy generating gym as part of COP22. We'd, in the previous year been to COP21 on invitation of an amazing French lady, Catherine Batilia, who spotted us as a pioneer for this, uh, as a solutionary for this, you know, more sustainable world, saw what we were doing and the sort of symbolism of our energy generating range, but, you know, really understanding that people are at the center of this problem, therefore people at the center of the solution. So we had been to COP21, the Pivotal Climate Change Conference, the year before. Then we were at Marrakesh, uh, installing a gym for the UN. And then, then we were, um, a sponsor at their 50th birthday. And I was there just listening to all these director generals about the future. And I was just thinking, this is just crazy. Like this, where's this business? This business is taking such crazy places. This is amazing. And just sort of really trying to reflect on, you know, why, why are we here? What's happening? <laughs> and I think that's where it was just that realization that people power, you know, that that's not just in the form of 
kilowatt hours that we can generate on our equipment, but the whole concept of us as people and how we are powerful to not only look after our own health, because movement is a, an amazing form of medicine, as well as food um, and friendship, but also the impact that we can make on the planet, you know, in terms of, again, things like food, fuel, and we can reduce our carbon footprint by 73% by, by having a, a plant-based diet. So, you know, the, if, yes, it feels like it's always somebody else's problem or somebody else has got control, but I just really felt at that moment that people power is what we need to activate. But yeah, that, that was a highlight, being in Vienna, sponsoring the UN. <laughs> what a moment. I should also mention you're a Kent business, aren't you, like Dan? Yeah, we've got a registered office in Kent, but we've moved it to, we, I personally am in Scotland. Uh, we, we have our registered office in Kent, but we, we were based in, we were based in Faversham. Um, but we, over lockdown, we actually, we actually closed our office and everyone works from home now. Oh. Just because it just gives everyone a bit more freedom. I mean, we, yeah. I did say to, um, one of my colleagues who's our designer, he's actually originally from, his dad's from Kenya. I said, you know, you could, you could work from Kenya if you want, you know, as long as you've got Wi-Fi. <laughs> um, so it's kind of giving people more freedom to, as long as we get the work done, it really matter. I mean, we do get together quite a lot. Um, and we have London conferences and get togethers and, and we go to Scotland and we try and have a really good, you know, really good sort of catch, catch up. But yeah, we're, we're sort of all over the place now, <laughs> kind of at home. So Georgie, last year, uh, you were awarded an MBE for your services to international trade and exports. And you made the decision to manufacture in the UK early on. So just talk us through that. And congratulations. Thank you very much. It was a great honour to get uh, my MBE whilst Queen Elizabeth II was still alive and visit Windsor when she was in residence as well. Yeah, so back in 2000, as I said, when we got the deal with Adidas, we felt that the right thing to do was to make sure the product was as high a quality as possible. So it was on the back of getting that work that we decided to decrease the profit and increase the quality by manufacturing in the UK and therefore building a brand, you know, building a, a quality brand. So we started out originally uh, by creating a range of, um, overseas and we just felt like the quality wasn't where it needed to be. So we started in 2009 to design this new range and, and then we worked with various factories in Britain and now we manufacture in Gateshead and Selby and Scotland. So we're British made, hmm. 100%. That's a brilliant. That's awesome. Now, Georgie, I know we've talked about manufacturing, but I'm, but I'm going to go back into tech. I keep, you know, I've been reading all about the app and everything going on. So tell us what's exciting you because you've got such an incredibly strong vision and mission. We've already spoken about your heart for innovation and you're kind of delivering that in so many different ways. But 
What's coming up that you can share about that you're involved with or excited about at the moment? I mean, tech is going to be really, really key going forward. And we are using the app at the moment to provide um, provide people with free classes. So in Tower Hamlets, for example, we've switched on the ability. Anyone in Tower Hamlets can can go go to our app, TGO Activate, and then access free classes. And the way that we've done it is we've done it at the same time as the screens, so that yoga's at a, a certain time, as is. Um, we've got some movement medicine programs like Move Type 2, which we've um, developed with Kesson Physio to help social prescribers give them something tangible that they can prescribe into. So we've got all these gyms and then there's this free class that will really help people with diabetes use that gym effectively and safely to help them reduce their, their diabetes. But in terms of the where we want to go with the app, we really kind of see it as almost like the an Airbnb of fitness in a way. So we can if we can host activities, free stuff as well as paid for um, classes and courses that are kind of regionally specific and sort of tailored to different communities. A bit like a you know like a, a marketplace of different classes and opportunities and some some of them might be actually on the gym physically and others might just be classes that are digital but we we want to really support local people to have ways to sort of help others but also earn money from from helping others as well and you know the idea is if we can create an economic model that supports local people that's where we want to go with our tech, because ultimately we recognize that, you know, people need an income as well. And if we can help support the people like Jadul, who has got a huge heart for the community, a huge following, but if through, through us and our gyms, he can actually create a career out of it. That's where we want to go ultimately with our app. That's amazing. And I can, as you're as you're talking there, I can think of so many different, um, I suppose, in a sense, potential clients that need it, from care homes to healthcare sector to NHS. I mean, without getting into a brainstorm or a business planning session now, I mean, the scalability of what you're talking about is huge, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a model, you know, that's worked elsewhere, and also just with our screens as well. Screens indoor gyms have really helped indoor gyms scale. Uh, so F45 is an example of an indoor gym that views screens to provide classes. We are providing screens now on our gyms. And, and so it's a really good opportunity to help people use the gym, but then also get them into the, into that digital space as well, which could promote local people's services. So ultimately, we want to help people get more active. We want to help, but we want to help local people provide new jobs and provide an income. Because ultimately, we want to help build the well-being economy with our gyms. Brilliant. I've got loads more questions, but I, I need to stop asking questions now. I think. What final question from me is always the the, the humdinger. 
What's one of life's complexities you'd like to see made simpler? That's a really complex question, isn't it? I think one of the things that we want to make simpler is how we form community and and more to the point, unity. So our gyms hopefully can help facilitate that, hopefully can help ultimately create friendships. Because ultimately, you know, a lot of these lifestyle diseases emanate from people feeling either lonely or not valued or unloved. And so if we can help connect people together in a lovely, supportive culture that is intergenerational and interfaith and and that has all those good values that you might get from those faith groups like humility and care and love and hope and we can create an opportunity for people to access that and feel part of something because we've um we work with councils and they're all about behavioral change and one big behavioral change model is give people autonomy capability and a sense of belonging and it's the sense of belonging that actually keeps them going for longer keeps them active for longer because they're part of this community so i think it's that creating unity and from that point of unity my hope is that people will look after the planet better once they are looking after themselves and feeling really positive and powerful that they'll then make those changes required to look after the planet because i do think we can do something about it and as you say you know we've got we've got eight years to get to net zero so we need to we need to we need to work together and we need to do it quickly who who wouldn't want to be part of georgie's world phil <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm in count me in where do i sign up this is brilliant this is amazing I love it. No, thank you. That was a great summary as well for the. That was amazing. It was so, so good. Thank you so much for sharing that with us and spending that time with us. Yeah. Thank you, Georgie. Oh, thank you. Wasn't that a cracking episode? So much richness there. And so, so great just to hear a little bit of uh, Georgie's vision, her passion, her mission, and everything else they got going on around them at the moment. So as we come to land, as we finish another episode, we'll be back soon with another fantastic guest. We've got a lot going on in the agency world at the moment, including launching our new technology product called OmniBI. If you're interested in finding out about how you can get access to a digital agency and a data platform all in one go, visit omnibi.co.uk.